Hello, I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. This is the first in a series of video classes based on the first epistle of Peter. Bible classes are so important. We do this twice a week at Laurel Heights, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and it is primarily a work of edification for Christians to build us up with both instruction and motivation. For everyone watching these videos, it can be an occasion to look carefully into the Word of God. What does God say? So we invite you to listen and have your Bible open. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and be listening for those practical takeaways after we complete our exposition of these opening verses. Anytime we study God's Word, we want there to be information dispensed and then personal transformation commenced. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let me ask, as we begin our study in 1 Peter, use your imagination for a few minutes. By birth, imagine that you are a Jew. Maybe you were present on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, or maybe your parents were there on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. If you or your family were not there, Sometime after that great event on the day of Pentecost, you heard the gospel, and you were convinced. You obeyed the gospel, and you started your life as a Christian. And everything went well at first, but then your Jewish friends who didn't become Christians start giving you some grief, and it just gets worse and you become an object of persecution because of your faith. Add to that, Gentiles were not friendly to you, and a wave of persecution commenced from the Roman government. So you find yourself in a storm, a firestorm of persecution, and you have to move. You have to stay on the move. You're still a part of God's elect, but at this point you are exiled in Asia Minor, dispersed. You and others who live in this firestorm are now in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which is now modern-day Turkey. It is really hard, and you want to hold to the joy and hope of being a Christian, but it's a struggle. And you cannot rule out that Gentiles who became Christians are there with you, and you're united. You've escaped persecution, but you have to stay on the move. Perhaps you're driven. Virtually, you become a nomad, a refugee of persecution. 
that these people were suffering is undeniable. So we're talking about dispersed Christians. And one day, you and the other Christians with you, Jew or Gentile, received this letter from the Apostle Peter. And it begins this way. I'm going to take us down through verse 9 with this reading. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I think we immediately see how perfect, how relevant this teaching was for those who were the elect of God exiled in a strange and hostile place. Here's what this letter is all about. Here is the purpose or you might call it the theme, to encourage and instruct Christians for hope and endurance through their earthly difficulties. In your first reading of 1 Peter, I believe you'll see this. I think you'll see it in every chapter in 1 Peter. In what Peter repeats, in what he keeps coming back to, in his references to their condition and their need, saints, suffering, persecution, I believe you'll see Peter is writing with this purpose, this theme, to encourage and instruct Christians for endurance in suffering, whatever their earthly difficulties might be. The living conditions, the circumstances of the people who received this letter, the ones who first received this letter, those circumstances or conditions are reflected throughout the letter, but each mention of their suffering is accompanied by a statement of hope. So 
in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, various trials. But in that same sentence, praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, he talks about enduring grief and suffering wrongfully. But in that same context, he says it is commendable when you take this patiently. In chapter 3 and verse 17, suffering for doing good. But in that same context, Christ suffered that he might bring us to God. In chapter 4 and verse 12, the fiery trial of persecution. But in that same context, he says, rejoice and be glad with exceeding joy. In 5, 8, and 9, your adversary seeks to devour you. But he says in that same context, you can resist him steadfast in your faith. Each time Peter brings up the suffering they were going through, he brings up the hope and joy they could embrace. To people who were obeying Christ, God's elect, while they were suffering, in order to enjoy hope in their trials and authentic faith, Peter wrote this letter to them. 1 Peter 1, let's look now at verses 1 and 2. Peter is the writer. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle simply means one sent forth. In the context of Christ and his apostles, one clothed with the right to speak authoritatively for Christ, to reveal his will that came to these men through the Holy Spirit. I think it should be noted Peter does not set himself apart from the other apostles. He claims no chief authority, no superiority, no special standing. He is one of the apostles of Christ. He is addressing Christians who were exiles, taken from their homeland, most likely by persecution. A variety of terms are used in, you, uh, in various translations. Exiles, aliens, strangers, pilgrims. In the first century, Christians were often forced to move and relocate because of hostility threatening them due to their faith. And one of the most notable scatterings would be the one that occurred very early in the time when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting Christians. In Acts 8 verse 1, there was a great persecution that began and Christians were scattered in the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So these Christians Peter wrote to had likewise been dispersed to these regions in Asia Minor. And let me bring up that these Christians, Jews and Gentiles perhaps united together in local churches in Asia Minor, aliens and pilgrims in terms of their temporary residence there, they were not greeted by the welcome wagon. The Greek word used by Peter means people living in a place only for a time. Persecution put them on the move. They were citizens, citizens in heaven. But in their earthly existence, they were sometimes aliens and pilgrims and on the move. It reminds us of the song, This World 
is not our home. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote this letter by inspiration of the Spirit to those residing in these locations, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. They were chosen, elect. What does that mean? If you have the New American Standard, the last word in verse 1 is chosen. If you have the New King James, the uh, King James, the NIV, one of the first words in verse 2 is elect. Here's what this is about. When I respond to Christ in that activity of faith, I become a chosen one of God. I'm a possession of God. I belong to Him. God chooses to save those who choose to respond obediently to Christ. Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. First observation, all three persons of deity are active in our salvation and brought up here. God, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing to Christians who were suffering in a fiery storm of persecution. Here in his opening statement, he reminds them of their salvation in terms of the joint participation of all three members or persons of deity, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. Now let's consider some of the expressions used by Peter as he describes the work of deity to provide salvation. God's role is expressed by this word foreknowledge, which means God knew what he would do before he did it, and he could see it happening before it happened. It may be difficult for us to conceive a foreknowledge because all we can do is guess and uh, provide some sort of prediction that we consider informed. God knew what he would do before he did it, and he could see it happening before it happened. By the way, the Greek word for foreknowledge here is prognosis. Men do their best. God has absolute ability to see and plan ahead, and it happens just as determined by God. The Holy Spirit was involved in sanctifying the instrumentality by means of would be the Word delivered by the Holy Spirit. When one is called out of the world by the Word of God to be separate from the world, and one responds, one is sanctified by the Spirit, and then the application of the blood of Christ. Not the animal blood that was sprinkled over the Mosaic altar, though that kind of language is used here. This blood is the final atoning value of the blood of Christ. He gave his life on the cross. So here's how this all comes together. The Apostle Peter is writing to Christians who were suffering, had been scattered, they were the elect of God. He wants them to cherish the salvation they have in Christ, and that will help them endure the suffering, will give them victory. He speaks to them first of how God, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ have acted together 
to save them from sin and enable them to receive heaven's grace and peace. Elect. Notice that word, elect, chosen by God, God's people, and for obedience. In order to be a part of God's chosen, there must be our choice of obedience. That's 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to come back in just a second or two with some takeaways. Takeaways from what we've studied so far in 1 Peter chapter 1. Compared to first century Christians, generally speaking, our daily life circumstance isn't really that bad. Now, if they were able to apply Peter's teaching to have courage, endurance, and patience in that fiery trial of persecution and uncertain existence on earth having to move about, well, certainly we should be able to apply this teaching to be encouraged to have hope and endurance in the trials that we go through. One word in verse 2 for everyone who reads this. Obedience. One cannot give an honest read through the New Testament and miss the call to obey Jesus Christ. You cannot miss the role of obedience in our response to God when you give an honest reading to the New Testament. In every epistle, all through the Gospels, the book of Acts, even in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, obedience to Jesus Christ. Here's something else I want to address. When we think of persecution, we think of groups of people, in this case Christians, or we speak of the church being the object of persecution. So Christians in general are the church. But consider that persecution in its impact, in its very nature, is always personal. Inside the groups, there are individual people who have to navigate the storm. I think this personal level of suffering is apparent in 1 Peter. That little personal pronoun, you, is used throughout 1 Peter. So we need to take what Peter wrote and make it personal. Here's the theme, the purpose of 1 Peter, to encourage and instruct each one of us for endurance in suffering, whatever our earthly difficulties might be. This has been presented to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you for being a participant in this study and watching this video.